Hello, and welcome back to The Daily Buzz. It's Tuesday, and I'm your host for the rest of the week, Dayton Olander. Today on the podcast, we are going to talk about Salt Lake City's newest bike gang. City reporter Blake Apgar joins managing editor Grant Birmingham to discuss his reporting on the two-wheeled phenomenon that takes over the Capitol streets on Thursday nights. So with us to talk about that ride is Blake Apgar. He's the Salt Lake City reporter for the Salt Lake Tribune. Blake, thanks for joining us. Uh, thanks for having me, Grant. So, Blake, what is the 999 ride? So, the 999 ride is a weekly bike ride uh, that pretty much has no rules. There's no, like, organizational structure to it. And as the weather warms up in Salt Lake City, the, the popularity of this ride increases. It goes all year, and so there are really faithful participants who show up in the middle of winter and will ride around at 9 p.m. on a Thursday night. But, but it really surges in popularity when it's nice out. People who participate in this ride will meander through the streets of Salt Lake City. They've got music that's blaring. A lot of riders will have cheap beer in their hand. And they just kind of go wherever the front of the pack takes them. There's not a predetermined route. It's a social ride that was originally put together as a way to encourage people to get on their bike and have fun. So that sounds like a good time. What is the problem? Yeah, so over the past decade plus uh, since this this ride began, it, it's really surged in popularity. And uh, in the first year and a half or so, a, a big ride was 40 cyclists going together. And now it's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people in the summer. And that's really had some consequences. People have concerns about the noise. You know, you get a, that many people together, it's just naturally going to be loud. Uh, add on top of that, they've got music that that they turn way up. Uh, there's one, one cyclist who shows up. He, he has a trailer on the back of his bike and has big speakers on it. And, you know, they're blasting their music it leaves behind a trail of trash because you know like i said a, a lot of participants are drinking beer and those cans can get left behind and it's created some disturbances with traffic which is you know going to happen when you've got hundreds of people riding their bicycles down the street and so there have been some concerns about the group flouting traffic laws running red lights uh, things of that nature so, Blake, you've actually done this ride as a participant. What did it feel like on the inside? Was it lawless or just kind of fun? When the ride began, it, it began as a really inclusive group. And that was that was kind of the point. You want to bring people in. And that is very much still the case. You know, I showed up right at nine o'clock and was welcomed by a few guys in a parking lot. And you sit there and you mill about for an hour and people chat and you know, listen to music and have a beer and you take off at 10 o'clock and uh, it is an inviting atmosphere for people who are participating in it. But when you do take off uh, from, from 9th and 9th, it's when you do take off from 9th and 9th, there really is no regard for traffic laws. I mean, it doesn't matter the direction of travel on a travel lane. When you're going down ninth uh, South, you're taking up the whole road. And when the, when the group starts to go through a, a light, 
it doesn't stop mid group. So you just carry on through the red light uh, and that's just to keep everyone together. So you have some traffic laws being broken and some beer being drunk in public and maybe some noise violations. Are homeowners calling the police and what are the police saying they can do about this? Yeah, I chatted with one person who lives right by the area where they congregate every week and they told me that, you know, they have submitted complaints to the police and if the police do show up, it's after the group has already departed. And I talked to a business owner who said that, you know, efforts to contact the police haven't been so successful. Uh, When I talked to Salt Lake City Police about it, they said that they don't want to have to conduct enforcement on it. They don't want to write tickets. They're hoping that people will voluntarily comply with laws. Now, of course, that just doesn't happen. I've talked to, to some people who say that the group tries to police itself. Uh, there was one person who had a, a baby who had complained about the noise. And uh, I talked to one cyclist who told me that they stopped going down that street after that complaint was made. And I talked to another couple of people who say that they try and pick up trash that gets left behind as they go down the road. And so there are efforts within the group to um, to make sure that the the ride is not a nuisance. They know it's disruptive. And that's kind of part of the point of the ride is to be disruptive because while the big part is like, yeah, we want to create this inclusive group and we want people to be out on their bikes having fun. There's also strength in numbers. And so when you get that many people together, you do kind of flip this dynamic between cyclists and cars on its head because now you've got hundreds of people riding together in a pack and they are able to to go down the road at night and feel safe doing it. Blake's story is out today, and you can read it at sltrib.com. Next, Innovation Lab reporter Caitlin Bancroft discusses her latest story about Google's multi-billion dollar economic impact in Utah last year. Google's economic impact report for Utah shows that the company provided $9.67 billion of economic activity in Utah during 2021. Additionally, it shows more than 192,000 Utah businesses received requests for directions, phone calls, bookings, reviews, and other direct connections to their customers through Google. The report highlighted several local businesses who have benefited from using Google tools, including the Baby Cubby and American Fork. Founders Cameron and Jacqueline Mirror began the business in 2013 when they felt unsatisfied with their experience shopping for their kids. Their brick-and-mortar store plus their e-commerce site aims to make baby gear decisions and shopping easier. With help from tools like Google Ads and Google Analytics, they've achieved a 300% increase in online sales since 2019. Cameron said with so many baby products out there, choosing which ones to buy can be overwhelming. That's why the Baby Cubby tries to be a resource for parents navigating the baby products market for the first time. Thanks, Caitlin. And that's it for today. Thank you to Sage Miller for editing the Daily Buzz. And I want to give a big shout out to local band The Pelicans for providing our music and to all you listeners for joining us. We'll be back with more news tomorrow.